as a man it seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked one by one the enemy is whisper lies and let them off as slaves but we know that you are God yours is the victory we know there is more to come that we may not yet see so with the faith you've given us we'll step into the This is Stevie Stan coming to you here on Holy Radio, holyradio.org. And this is this verse of the week. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message. 
which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How many of you understand and recognize that in Christ we are cleansed from all sin? You know, a lot of times people ask me, how is it people who claim to know Christ could continue living a sinful life? Not, not the kind of life where, you know, we strive to worship God and serve Jesus with honor and try to do what's right. And we sin because we are sinners saved by grace and we don't like to sin, but we sin here and there, do things we shouldn't. But I think the kind of people we see that profess to know Christ claim to have a relationship with Jesus, and yet all of a sudden they're living as if they were never saved, living as if they never knew who Christ was, living like they lived before their profession of faith. Well, I think this passage really talks about that. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In Christ, we have no darkness in us because we have the Holy Spirit who is light. You see, sin is darkness. And when we choose to sin, when we're in Christ, we know we're sinning. We, we figure it out. We realize it because the Holy Spirit calls us to it. He calls us out, if you will. And we know that we can make a change and repent. Verse 6 goes on to say, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I think that's true. I think if we profess our faith in Christ... And we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness. We live a life that is sinful. Then we are potentially lying. Not, not us who are Christians, because we're not walking in darkness. But those who walk in darkness and profess Christ, do they truly believe? Some might say they lost their salvation, but I beg to differ. I don't know that they lost their salvation as much as maybe they never gained salvation because they never truly believed in their heart which is part of accepting Jesus and being saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And I think that's something we have to be attuned to. Are you living a life of darkness claiming to profess Christ? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. See, I think if we truly know Christ and we walk in the light, we're going to strive to live for Christ. Not because we are mandated to by the law, because we have to, not because the Bible says, obey the Ten Commandments and here's the law. No, 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 no. We walk in light and do what's right because God 
has spared us from the darkness. In him, through Christ, our faith, his blood, death, burial, resurrection, who cleansed us, washed us, and ultimately sanctified us, brings us into the light. So we serve Jesus and strive not to sin because we love him and we want to do what's right. And when we do sin, we recognize we're wrong, just like a child, if you have children and you can relate, or if you remember when you were a child and you can relate, wrong, you did something wrong against your parents, you disobeyed them, you lied to them, whatever, and then you felt that because you loved them and you wanted to please them and make them proud. Well, that's us with God and that's us with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and His power. When we sin, we do what we need to do to seek God's forgiveness because we want to live a life that's righteous. First John 1, 5 through 7. And this is my verse of the week.
Thank you, Jesus. There we go. Praise the Lord. Man, there's nothing like the love of God in our life and how God pursues us, how God comes after us. I love the words of that bridge. There's no shadow God won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up. You think about John, or Luke 15 and how, 
how the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. That's God's heart towards us today. So that's why we love singing that song so much. But as a... As you guys probably know, Pastor Bo and Teresa, they're supposed to be getting back today. Uh, They're having a little bit of issues in Canada, and I'm not sure if they're watching, but we're praying. Uh, They made it all the way to Toronto, uh, and they're having issues with luggage. Um, How many guys have issues with your baggage sometime? You can take that however however that applies. (laughs) But uh, Jill looked at me, and she pointed at me. She said, you're my baggage. I said, I know. I know. But they might be watching or they might be flying, uh, but they're, they're going to come back in Jesus' name. And then uh, you, we'll be able to hear all the amazing testimonies of what's happening at Thrive Academy. But they're safe. They're good. They made it back that far. The big part of the trip is over. So they just got to come down from Canada and make it back to the Rocky Mountains. So uh, praise the Lord. And uh, with all that being said, I'm Pastor Jake and one of the pastors here at the church. And we're going to continue to give to the Lord as, as we worship God. But I got to share a quick story. Um, I was uh, printing my notes for the message at my house. And most of you guys probably have a similar setup at your house. But we have a, a small computer desk. We have a, uh, a computer in our living room. We have a printer there. And it was late at night. And Jill was sleeping. And everybody was kind of sleeping. And I was printing out my notes. And I went to open the drawer of that little, uh, where the desk is for the computer bill. And I saw something I never saw before. It kind of, it, it really, it just shocked me. And what it was, was a clean drawer. I've never seen that drawer clean before. And it was completely organized. And it shocked me because that's Evan, our youngest. He loves that area. He, he draws there. He'll pull up images and draw and spend hours. Just he just he That's his little word right there, uh, world. And we're always telling him, clean it up, clean it up. And I told him, and I had forgotten, Bill, but I told him two days ago. I said, I want you to clean this area up. And I want you to even get in the drawer and really just, just organize it. I totally forgot I told him that. So when I went to open the drawer and I saw it, I was shocked and I went, I went upstairs where Evan was, and I woke him up from his sleep. I shook him. I said, son. And he's like, what, 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 dad? I said, you clean the drawer. It's a miracle. It's, it's incredible. And his eyes, it was so funny because he wouldn't open his eyes, but he was smiling really big. He's like, you saw that? I said, I saw that. I said, I'm always getting on you for when you miss it and when the messes that you leave. I was like, I felt like I need to come up here and just, just really tell you how proud I am of you because... Uh, in our house, we always have this saying, how many times do I tell you to do something? And, we always, and the kids always answer one time. And then it takes them six times to do whatever we're talking about. But I said, I told you to do it one time, and I forgot about it, and you did it. He's like, yeah, I did it a couple days ago. And I said, man, you are really, you're really growing. I'm really proud of you. But I want to, sh- what does that have to do with uh, the offering? I want to share a scripture with you about what it's like for us when we obey God. What that does to the heart of our Heavenly Father when we do what He tells us to do. Go ahead, put up that scripture note, and as we give to the Lord, listen to this verse. It says, And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And it says, If you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And previously in that chapter, it's talking about like countless blessings. And I just, I really identified with that because I felt, uh, Zach, I felt like I had to go shake Evan. I had to go. Because, you know, I don't want him to remember his childhood and always be about mom and dad telling him where he's fallen short. It's important to tell people when they're, when they're doing good and they're doing well. And I was like, I could wait till tomorrow, but I, I got to go. I got to wake this kid up. And he loved it. He never opened his eyes the whole time. He kept smiling. And then I walked out of his room after shaking him and saying, I'm so proud of you. I walked out of his room. He's like, Dad. He's like, yeah. He's like, you really like the drawer, huh? I said, yes. Yes, I'm proud of you. 
And that's God's heart towards us. It's all about hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God. God is willing to not just come upon you with blessings, but to overtake us with blessings. God doesn't have to run to the store to bless you. Come on, somebody say, he's ready. He's ready to bless us. The only thing holding it up sometimes is us listening, our obedience. So I'm getting on my kids. How many times do I have to tell you? And then God, the Father, is telling me, hey, Jake, how many times do I have to tell you? It should be one time, God, but I miss it. He's like, but what happens when I tell you and you do it? I'm like, that. The blessings overtake me. How many of you guys have been blessed by God that way? That's every single one of our hearts. So let's pray right now as we give to God. And let's just ask God to bless the offering together. But pray with me, church. Lord, in this moment, as we give to you, I know every single one of us, we know both sides of that. We know what it is to listen to your voice and to be blessed, to please your heart. We also know what it is to miss your voice and to not do what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it. And we know that that grieves your heart, Lord. It, it just upsets you. It disappoints you. And because it doesn't disappoint you because you don't like us, God. It disappoints you because you're ready to bless us with blessings that overtake us. And we're holding up the process. So help us evermore, God, to listen, to hear, and to obey. Help us to be those people, God. And I believe that you'll be so excited with our obedience that you're just going to bless us beyond what, what we can ever hope or pray for. And it's not about getting things from you. It's about being close to your heart, God. That feeling, God, that I had with Evan, Lord, I want to have with you where you say, I'm so pleased with you. And God, that's what our goal is. So as we give today, we ask you to take what's given, Lord. We ask you to bless it and to multiply it and to use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, as we receive the offering, please take a moment and watch these announcements. The deadline to register for Kids Camp has been extended. You don't want your child to miss out on Camp Golden Bell. Children entering grades 3 through 6 this fall are invited to attend. The cost is $100 per child and scholarships are available. Head down to the Kids Church for more information and to register. Vacation Bible School is a week filled with lots of fun activities for the kids. Bible lessons and games and lunch are on the schedule every day, July 18th through the 22nd. The cost is $10 per child and kids ages 6 to 12 are invited. Stop by the Kids Church today to register and for more information. If you would like to be part of the van ministry, come out July 15th at 6.30 p.m. We need drivers and people to ride along. It's one of the most rewarding outreaches we have at Thrive Church, and we hope that you'll be there. Do you want to learn how to build a strong foundation for your Christian walk? Or maybe you need a refresher course. You're invited to Planted. This interactive group meets every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at the Dream House, located on the southwest corner of the parking lot. No need to sign up. Just meet us there. We'll be looking for you. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are you? Good morning. We're so glad that you're here. Um, my name is Jill, and um, it's my honor to welcome our first-time visitors. Do we have any first-time visitors? Just raise your hand up in the air. Thank you for being here. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
You know, even in this first service, um, the service right before this one, we had a young mom and um, she brought her two kids and we had the opportunity to have them come up to the altar and just pray with them at the altar. And so um, it's so important that we just honor you guys and just say thank you for being here. We don't need anything from you, but we just want to say thank you for coming. We know that you could go anywhere this morning, a different church or just anywhere else. Um, in this beautiful uh, state of Colorado, but we just say thank you for coming to Thrive Church. This is an awesome church, um, and our senior pastors will be here. They're coming back from Ethiopia today at some point, and if you come back next week, you'll be able to hear all about our awesome school that we have there and um, just hear from them. So please come back, and if you, um, when you're leaving, go to the Welcome Center in the back outside in the lobby, and we have a gift for you out there. So please come back next week um, and just we would love to have you again. So God bless you. Thanks for coming. Amen. Amen. So I want to just mention again with the, the announcements that we had that, that Kids Camp has extended one more week and we have scholarships. So if you want your, if you have a, a young person going into third through sixth grade this coming fall and they want to go to Kids Camp, we actually have some scholarships. All you have to do is go downstairs and connect with our children's pastors. They've extended the uh, registration another week uh, and that's uh, just exciting. We, we're getting a lot of kids starting to, to be uh, scheduled for that. They're signing up for that. And then we also have movie in the parking lot this Friday, movie in the parking lot. So we have, we're going to have cotton candy. We're going to have, um, uh, popcorn. We're going to, and it's, we're going to have ices. It's all free. We're going to have smothered burritos. I'm just kidding. We're not going to have smothered. Bill looked at me like shocked. He's like, and if that's the thing that kept you home, I'll bring you a smothered burrito. Goodness. Some of you guys said that's the deal breaker. That's my that's your 30 pieces of silver to come to movie in the parking lot. <laughs> and it starts, thank you, Bill. He's like, what time? Uh, it starts at about 8 o'clock, 8.30 when the, when the sun starts to go down. We can't play the movie until, until it gets dark enough. But the food's going to be out. And it's right here in our, our parking lot. So um, we are just, uh, we're excited. And th- this is stuff that we're trying to do to be a blessing in our community. So it's totally free. Uh, and you just bring, you know, chairs. We'll have a tarp out on the ground, but if you want to bring chairs or blankets, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun, so we'd love to have you. Goodness, so many things going on in the month of July and everything, but that's, that's why you watch the announcements. Um, and not be on your phone, church. Come on. Just kidding. Some of you guys are like this. I'm like, they're missing stuff, but it's all good. It's all good. It's okay, because I know you're all reading your Bible, and you're excited to take notes for the message, and uh, that's a good thing. So we're going to pray right now just for the word. I want you to pray with me, church. Remain seated, but pray with me right now, and let's ask God to take these next few moments. Lord, the next few moments we have together, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We never take it lightly, Lord, when your word is preached. It doesn't matter who the person is, the individual, God. We know that we, we want to be a good vessel, God. We want you to speak to our hearts, Lord. So today I pray that this word would be uplifting and encouraging. I pray that it would be eye-opening, Lord, more than anything as disciples. I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but I always pray that we would hear the word so that we could be doers of your word, so we can be the disciples you've called us to be. So bless our time together these next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. I love this service love this service. It's so good to have you guys here today. Again, we keep mentioning that it's the 4th of July weekend because it's the 4th of July weekend. And uh, we're grateful for our nation. But to have people actually come to church, we always as a staff are like, is anybody even going to come? And 
And they, here you are. So that's pretty amazing. One more time, let's give the Lord a praise offering for people. Just come into God's house. Come into God's house. And I want to share a quick story real quick as I get into it. I promise it relates to the message. But recently, um, I had bought tires a couple years ago. I bought brand new tires. And uh, I was not good at rotating the tires. You're supposed to rotate your tires. Now, this is going to speak to someone's heart because you haven't been rotating your tires. But I brought brand new tires, brand new, brand new. And Stan, I didn't rotate them the way I was supposed to. So then I had issues with them, and I took them in. And the first thing they said is, yeah, did you rotate your tires? And I was like, and I could have, I could have lied, but I didn't. Someone say, praise the Lord. I did. They said, we have no record of you rotating him here. And I said, these are supposed to have a 50,000 mile warranty. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little under like 30,000. So I'm like, I'm, I'm a little over halfway. And they said, well, the warranty is only good if you're rotating your tires. And they said, Zach, they said, did you rotate him anywhere else? And that's where, again, where I could have, I could have said, and the truth is, I told him the truth. I said, I get my um, oil changed somewhere else and, and uh, haven't done it. I haven't done it the way I'm supposed to. He said, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I was about to walk you outside and show you the wear and tear doesn't lie. Like you have not rotated these tires. I felt like I was in court. I was like, but I was being truthful. And he said, this is what we're going to do. He's like, I'm going to give you a discounted uh, rate for a brand new set of tires. This was like about a year ago, last summer. I'm going to let you buy a brand new set of tires, but I'm going to give you a really good rate on it. But you have to promise. I feel like I'm a little child. You have to promise that you don't go anywhere else and you rotate them here. We'll do it for free, but that's that, so it can make the warranty last. And I said, I promise. And I said, I got to tell him, I said, I got to do better this time. So I've got a system of that includes my phone, includes my day timer, includes post-it notes, and includes the best part, my wife. Every 5,000 miles. And I have not missed one. I've had three so far since I bought it last, uh, last summer, and I haven't missed one. But I'm, Carol, I'm due for one right now. And it's, it's this weekend, and uh, I've been really, really busy and everything. So I call the place, um, and I say, hey, uh, is there any way I can get in? I need to rotate my tires. It's really important. And I think she thought I was really weird the way I was talking. Uh, the individual is a guy. I said, it's really important. i got to get in today. He said, we're pretty busy. I said, can you please get me in today? And he said, I'll tell you what, if you come right now, I'll get you in. I said, how long will it take? I got a bunch of stuff to do. He said, it should be about 35 to 45 minutes if you come right now. So I ditched my family, left them all. I got to the, I got to the place and I show up and I walk in the door and there's a lady who's there. She's the manager. She's got a blue polo shirt on. I come in. I said, I just called and I'm here to rotate uh, my tires, to get my tires rotated. And she said, oh no, oh no, I'm so sorry, but there's no way we can get to your car right now. And I said, uh, but I just called. And like a kid, I'm holding up my phone. I said, look, look, look. I just called like 17 minutes ago. She said, who, do you, who did you talk to? And I'm so terrible with names. But in this case, I remembered. I even asked the person on the phone, what's your name? And I said, I talked to CJ, because we have a CJ at our church, and I remembered. I said, I talked to CJ. She said, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I said, is CJ here? And they have these big bay windows of all the places where the guys are working on tires. Which one's CJ? Is CJ here? She's like, he just left for lunch. He just left for lunch. He just walked out. I said, of course CJ did. Do you know where he's going to go have lunch? No, I said, he's not there. And I, I looked around the room, and I hushed my voice, and I said, your, one of your pastors said this. I said, is there anyone we can bump? Is there just anything we can do? 
it's, it's a real emergency. I'm going to be out of town for a few days. Is there anything we can do? And she's like, uh, nope, there's nothing we can do other than this. You have two choices. You can leave your car. And this is, uh, this is, uh, 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 Daryl Tracy, this is on 119. They said, you can leave your car and you'll be done by the end of the day or you can just come back at another time. Those are the two options. So I asked her one more time, is there anything else we can do? She said, nope, I told you what we can do. That's your choices. So somebody guess what I did. I, I, yeah, I, I hunted down CJ. No, I didn't do that. I forgot to mention that Jill is busy with real estate. She's got like this really big thing that she's working on. And she told me ahead of time, she's like, you're on your own. She calls me ish. You're on your own ish. You got to take care of it. And I was like, well, I got a son that he's got a car and he's, he's got plans. So no one can help me. And I knew that going there. So I was like, it has to be done. I need my car today. I can't just leave it. So I had a choice. And she said, you can leave your car or you can come back another day. So I left my car. Jill's in these important meetings. Ian's taking care of stuff. And I'm sitting there like, what am I going to do now? And then I remembered that not too far from where I am, about a mile away or so, maybe a little less, that the, uh, I had dry cleaning I needed to pick up. So this guy on foot walked from that place. As I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life at this point, I'm like, I don't have anything else going on. Let me just walk over and go get my dry cleaning. So I'm walking in my city just like, just like in just a, a, a lost person. And I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to take for my car. Uh, and I go to, to, I normally pull in right in front of the guy where I get my dry cleaning. And I walked in. He's like, I didn't see you pull up. I said, because I didn't. It's a long story. Here for my dry cleaning. Pay for my dry cleaning. And uh, I walk out, and I, I'm just sitting there with three shirts, Anish. No car. And I'm like, what do I do now? I can't reach Jill. I was like, and then the Lord provided like an oasis in the middle of the desert, something that wasn't there before but is now there, a place of ref- refuge, a place of rest, a place of refreshing. And I, had, I looked up, and it was like the heavens open, and I saw this, and this is where I ended up, Baskin-Robbins. <laughs> so I was there. How many of you guys see my dry cleaning hanging in Baskin-Robbins? That really weirded them out when I walked in with my dry cleaning. They said, they said can I help you? And I said, I'll take one scoop of Cherry's Jubilee right now because I thought I was going to have to be there for hours. And I was just, my plan was to eat a single scoop just one right after another so I could just stay in the air conditioning. And I was committed to that plan, as you can tell. <laughs> so I'm sitting there eating my Cherry's, uh, Garcia, or Cherry's Jubilee as, as slow as I can. And uh, she's like, uh, can I help you with anything? I said, no, this is good. You want any water? I said, I'm okay. And then uh, the goodness of God, Jill calls, and she says, are you good? My thing just ended. I said, oh, you got to come rescue me. you got to come save me. And she, uh, she's like, what's going on? I told her, they kept my car. They said they'd get me in 45 minutes, in and out. And now I'm, I walked. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at Baskin-Robbins with my dry cleaning. Everybody should fill in the blanks, put it together. She's like, what's going on? Can't leave you alone for like a couple minutes. So I'm, I'm there. She pulls up. And, I, uh, and, of course, we had to get Jill some ice cream just for all of her hard work. So basically we're keeping that business uh, alive, keeping it open. So we come home, and then sure enough, my car gets fixed uh, uh, at the end of the day, and she takes me back to go get it. But I, as I was sitting there, that, that period in between where I'm waiting on Jill, and I'm thinking about the message and everything, it's so crazy because I want everyone to say this word. Everyone say access. 
access, access. I totally thought I had access at uh, this place where my tires were going to be worked on because I called ahead. I talked to a person. I got their name and I got into the door. Okay. I got up to the front desk. Okay. But I was shut down because I said, we cannot help you right now. You're going to have to wait. And I had no plan. It's been forever since I just walked like that through the city streets, but I did. Um, but she said, You're, th- there's nothing we can do for you. I was denied access. I began to think about the power of access. And today's message is simply called this. If you're taking notes or you're just looking up on the screen, today's message is called Broken Veil, Hidden Veil. Broken Veil, Hidden Veil. Broken Veil, Hidden Veil. I'm going to talk about, now there's, there's two veils I want to talk about today. And the first veil is the broken veil. And it's a very real veil. A veil is a curtain or it's a partition. And uh, some of you know immediately when I talk about the broken or the torn veil, you know immediately what veil I'm talking about. If you know anything about the Bible, you know anything about the Old Testament, the veil I'm talking about is actually found in the Old Testament. And uh, I really began to think about this. Because I just got to tell you very quickly, when God, when God created man in his image, and he had Adam and Eve in the garden, how many guys know that man, which the Bible says that man had communion with, with God, God as creator, and that there was no, there was no separation, that, that God walked with them in the cool of the day, and they, they were just together. And it wasn't until the fall of man and sin was introduced into the human race, that's where everything changed for us as God's creation. And, and to fast forward into, I'll just give you this, in the time of the, uh, the time of slavery and Egypt, not to go back before that and the patriarchs and Abraham, all that kind of stuff. Towards the end of Genesis, we have that, that God's people are enslaved in Egypt, and God uses Moses to bring them up out of Egypt. That's what the word exodus means, to be brought out. They're brought out of Egypt, and they're, they're in a place. Before they get to the promised land, they spend a generation in the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness that God establishes through Moses and Mosaic law. God begins to give them plans for a tabernacle, but the tabernacle is meant to be mobile because they're not in their final, their final destination just yet. So God says, you're going to make an ark. You're going to make a tabernacle. And we're not going to go through all of the scripture that highlights the very articulate and very detailed um, instructions. But it was during that time for the people of God where God says, I long to be with you. I brought you up out of Egypt through the exodus. I've protected you and the smoke and the pillar of fire. I've been with you, but now I still want to be with you. But in order to be with you, things have changed from the garden of Eden to where we find ourselves now in the wilderness. You're going to have to build a tabernacle and you can read it. You can read it in in, in the Old Testament. You can see the dimensions and everything that's Describe, but, but part of the reason why is God wanted to be as close to his people as possible, but now things had changed, and God had to create many things. And the Bible tells us that the presence of God in the Old Testament was called, was part uh, of what was in the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony. Again, we're not going to read all of that in the Old, uh, Old Testament, all through Scripture. But how many of you guys know there's a lot of things that they had to do as God said, this is what you need to do for the tabernacle. And I want to be with you. And God's people said, you know what, we want you to be with us too, but we have to do all these things just to have your presence be with us. So they listened to the plans of God. They listened to what God wanted them to do, and they created a tabernacle that was able to travel with them until they were able to get to their final destination in the promised land. So we say all that to take us to a scripture that talks about the very first mention of part of the tabernacle, which is the veil, the veil. And I want to read that scripture to you right now. It's, it's in Exodus 26, verse 33. And it says this, You shall hang up the veil under the clasps 
and bring in the Ark of the Testimony there within the veil, and the veil shall serve as what, church? A partition for you between the holy place and the most holy place. So the veil was part of the plan of God. The veil was very important. And the veil was a partition or a separation. So we have what's inside of the veil. I can go through all of the, of the elements and the articles, but really you have the Ark of the Testimony, which is the Ark of the Covenant, and it's got the mercy seat on it. You can study it. It's all in the Old Testament. And there's the table, and there's the bread. There's all these things that you can read about. But one of the big factors that they had to do was this beautiful purple, um, um, incredibly woven with very, very spe- specific uh, instructions from God, this beautiful veil that was created. And the veil served as a separation or a partition. Isn't that, it's, it's wonderful to see how God is trying to connect. Just like we sang that song, how God pursues us. God's trying to connect with his people, but now things have changed from the Garden of Eden. Now God has to veil himself. When God showed himself to Moses, God had to hide Moses in a, in a cleft of a rock, and he covered his face so that he could pass by him because his glory, the Shekinah glory of God, was too much. And God said, if I show you fully who I am, you'll surely die. So we needed that veil, and the people needed that veil. And the normal people of God, not the, not the priests, not the Levites, but the normal people of God, they were never able, ever able to go into from the outer courts to the more inner courts, into the, the holy holies, into the most holy place. They kind of experienced the same thing I was talking about. They were denied access. They were denied access. And they also knew if they went there, they were instructed through God's instruction, you can't be by the Ark of the Covenant. You can't touch the Ark of the Covenant. When the Ark of the Covenant fell in the hands of the Philistine and David brought it back, they were going over unstable ground. And instead of carrying the Ark of the Covenant on golden poles with the Levites, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant in a, in a, with an ox and a cart, and it was unstable. The Ark of the Covenant began to fall, and Uzziah, Uzziah put his hand out to stable the Ark of the Covenant, and he died right there in that spot. Because they knew at that time that there had to be a partition or a separation and you might say, well, that seems so harsh that God would be that way. No, it, it, it all goes back. It goes back farther than that moment. It goes back to the garden. It goes back to when God said, obey and hear my voice, and things will be a blessing for you. And we chose something else, and we fell into a sinful nature. How many of you guys know we're living under that curse even to this day? Even though we're redeemed, that all started with, with the fall in the garden. So with that being said, it's a serious business. You would think that God's like, I'm trying to get as close to you as I can without killing you trying to get as close to you as I can, but because of the sin and because of the situation, there has to be safeguards and there has to be partitions and there has to be this veil. And this veil is part of an overall, an overall thing, the tabernacle and the priest and the Levite. And I got to say this. So this is how it works. The commoners, they couldn't just, the common people of God, they couldn't go into the most holy place. There's only one group of people that could go into the most holy place. It was the Levites. And there was a high day of atonement. There was a special day. Normally all year long as a, as a Jewish person uh, traveling through the wilderness, if there was a sin that you had or there was a transgression or a problem with a, a neighbor, all these issues, you would go to the priest and they would tell you to bring a certain amount of animals or a dove or hyssop. You can read all of it. And you would go and you would follow what the priest said and you were able to find a certain amount of atonement in your life. If you were living that way within that community, this is how you handle sin when you fall short you go to the priest and the blood of innocent animals has to be shed and you would find atonement through that. But however, on the, on Yom Kippur, which is the, it means day of atonement on day of atonement, one single Levite would be selected to go into the most holy place and make atonement for the entire nation of Israel. Is everyone listening? 
And here's, the, here's my little version on events. You did not want to be that priest. And here's why. Because there's a very real possibility, even as a Levite, as a priest, that you could die behind the veil. And they took strict, strict precautions for that person. 24 hours before that priest would go behind the veil, they would read the word of God over that, that priest's life to try to just get him to meditate, his thoughts, his heart. Just even his subconscious, they try to get the word, as it says in Deuteronomy, meditate on my word, day and night. They would do that with that priest. They would ceremoniously wash the priest from head to toe. They would wear the umen and the therm. They would wear everything, the, the ephod. They would they put it all on. And then that priest had a special garment, and at the bottom of the hem of the garment, they had pomegranates and they had bells. And the reason they had pomegranates and bells sewn into the hem of that garnet is as long as they could put their ear up by the veil and they heard the bells and the pomegranates behind the veil, they knew the priest was still alive. And the last thing they put on the priest before the priest on Yom Kippur that would go and make atonement on the day of atonement, the last thing they would put on the priest is a scarlet rope. They would either tie it around the, the ankle or the waist of that priest. And the reason they did that was a very practical reason. Most of you guys know the reason. Why would they tie a scarlet rope around the priest? In case he died in the presence of God behind the veil, they had a way of retrieving the body. I'm not trying to do this long-winded thing, but I'm just trying to teach the importance of not just the veil, but the tabernacle and the holy holies and the most holy place and what it took to go into God's presence. In fact, scholars called it this. If you can put that up, Noden, scholars called it axis mundi. Axis Mundi, and it's a Latin term, and it literally means where heaven meets earth, or the most sacred place, which is powerful to think. Axis Mundi. It's become an astrological term. It's become other religions have taken it, and they've made it a, a generic phrase where heaven meets earth. Some of the seven wonders of the world, they'll call it Axis Mundi. Or they'll talk about the axis of the earth, but it all started really in the most holy place, where God says, that is where I will meet, that is where my presence is. And that's where Jewish scholars called it Axis Mundi, where heaven meets earth, being truly in the presence of God. So that's the first veil. How many guys are with me on that first veil? What they had to do, what they had to go through. And if everything went well, the priest would go in, would make atonement on Yom Kippur, and then, and then the, the people of Israel were good for another year. By observing the Mosaic law, by going to the local priest and being cleansed that way, the blood of animals. And then on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go and make atonement over the mercy seat and would come out. And if they survived, um, then the, the, the Jewish community, the Jewish people had another year of atonement. How many of you guys know that that is all in the Old Testament? And that veil is part of that story. Now, I just want to give you this truth right now. And I promise that this is just going to speak to your heart. But write this down or take this, just, just get this in your heart. Because of our sin, the veil was needed. Because of our sin, the veil was needed. Because of our sin, the Levites had to go through such extreme measures just to go behind the veil to provide atonement, to seek atonement at the mercy seat because of our sin. God has not changed. Church, are you guys listening? Who God is? Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He says, if you're truly in my Shekinah glory, my, my full presence of who I am, you will surely die in my presence. That's said over and over in the Old Testament. So because of that, because of our sin, the veil was needed. Now, I got to share this very quickly. That veil was a physical veil. It's not figurative. It's literal. That veil existed. And that tabernacle traveled until they were all the way able to make it into the promised land and settle. <clears throat> and Solomon was able to establish 
the first um, the first temple, and that, that veil still served the same purpose in that established temple in Jerusalem. The veil was still there for 2,000 years. The veil was, was close to 2,000 years. The veil was there until a person came along by the name of Jesus. And when Jesus came, Hebrews teaches us that Jesus is two things, which is so beautiful once you understand that, that Jesus is both our high priest and he's the perfect lamb of God. That's where Hebrews teaches. He's our high priest, that Levite that would be selected on Yom Kippur that could go and make atonement for the people of God. But he was not only the high priest, but he was also the Lamb of God. And here's God yearning to be as close to his people as possible. Are you guys getting that? And God's saying, I'm so excited because I'm going to do something. And, the, and our people, the people don't even know this, but it's been prophesied. The messianic prophecies that there's one coming, that my son is coming and Jesus comes. And not everybody accepts the prophecy. Not everybody looks at the rabbi and says, this is the one that the scriptures and the prophets foretold of. Not everyone believes Jesus is who he says he is, but some do. And Jesus lives a perfect life, a sinless life. Incarnate means wrap, God wrapped in flesh, that he was God and fully God and fully man and he lives a sinless life and he's a perfect lamb no fault no blemish lives a sinless life he fulfills the requirement that we need in the old testament for the innocent blood to provide atonement and then he's also at the same time the high priest and he willingly goes to the cross he silently goes to the cross and he gives his life for us once and for all not that god has changed his nature but the methodology in which we find atonement is about to radically change forever uh, what the Bible calls the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, axis mundi is about to change. And what happens behind a veil is about to change and not be confined to a small couple cubic meters. At that cross on a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, that location where Jesus gave his life on the cross, this is what the Bible tells us. Look at this scripture, Mark 15, verses 37 through 38. Look at this. Jesus giving his life on the cross, but Jesus let out a loud cry and died. And what, church? The veil of the temple was torn in two. Here's the most important part. From top to bottom. Now, does it mean the literal veil that was written about in Exodus? Does it mean the literal veil? It means the literal veil was torn into from top to bottom. Just the same way you would tear a paper towel or a napkin. Effortlessly. Symbolically. Who was doing the tearing? It was Father God. Here's Jesus dying on the cross. And with these three words, it is finished. The moment it happened, the Bible says the earth shook. And the sky had grown dark. And the veil was torn or rent from top to bottom in two. Thus signifying that the axis mundi, that place where heaven meets earth, that place that has been confined for generations, now because the high priest who is also the Lamb of God now has fulfilled atonement once and for all, and now axis mundi has completely changed from being kept from us. Now the veil has been opened. It's been, it's been torn in two. And here's the crazy part. Not so that we could go to him. So like we're saying that he could come to us. Ooh. That he could come to us. What keeps us from dying? What keeps us? What buffers us? What keeps us alive? What Jesus did on Calvary. And if we didn't have that, you couldn't stand before God. 
But when you're in sin, when you got pills or a gun in your hand, and you're desperate, and you feel the overwhelming presence of God, that axis mundi that comes into your bedroom or comes into your car, comes into a bar, comes into the side of a freeway, wherever you are, the side of a bridge. That's God, just like we sing in that song. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down. Just like the shepherd leaves the 99 and he comes after us. He's not behind the veil. Axis Mundi is everywhere. And the world doesn't know it. The world doesn't understand it. But God's not confined in a few cubic meters anymore. Because of what Jesus did on Calvary. I can't see any of you. God's trying. But because of what Jesus did. Access Monday, where heaven meets earth, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God is now available and not just hidden some far away like the fires of Mordor where we got to go find it. He's like, no, I've been holding back. I've been, I've been, I, I want to get past this veil so bad and I couldn't until my son Jesus fulfilled the Levitical role of atonement saying he's the high priest, he's the Lamb of God. Now God is right up on you. God is as close to you as you can possibly stand it. And the veil, the first veil, the broken veil, the torn veil, that's what it represents. So look at this truth right here, church. Because of the cross, the veil was torn. Because of the cross, the veil was needed. But now because of the cross, or I'm sorry, because of our sin, the veil was needed. Now because of the cross, the veil is torn. Aren't you grateful? We don't just celebrate that every Easter time once a year. I mean, think about with that cross, it enables the presence of God, the kind of glory to God to not be restrained or held back behind a veil. And now the veil being torn into now, now God's presence and you feel it. And the Holy Spirit contends with man and convicts us, lovingly pulls us back to him and says, this is the truth. And you feel it when you're doing the worst things in life. You feel this, this, this thing and God is not foreign and he's not far away, but the presence of God is constantly contending for your soul constantly and it's all possible because of what jesus did on the cross because of the cross the veil was torn the broken veil the torn veil you better thank god for that torn veil you better thank god that god god ripped it and you know what you know what the you know what the veil is now our living savior it's not a piece of fabric it's the fact that our savior he fulfills that covering and that grace God says, I could come close to you because my son is both the high priest and the lamb of God. That's fulfilled. We don't have to slit animals open anymore and let their blood flow. It happened once and for all at Calvary. But our God has not changed. His nature, who he is, has not changed. So church, I say all that just to say this, just this last thought right now. I want to talk about, we talked about the broken veil. I, I quickly got it. When we know about, how many guys knew a little something about the veil I was talking about? The veil in the temple. Everybody knew a little something about it. Some of you probably know more than I do. You know about the veil. But I want to talk about the hidden veil. The hidden veil. 
And you're like, is there, there's another veil? Yes, there's another veil, a hidden veil. And it's not the first veil we're talking about. Can I show you what scripture talks about when we talk about the hidden veil? Let me just share another verse with you right now. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four says this church. It says, if the good news, and we know the good news is the gospel. If the good news we preach is hidden behind what? Hmm. Is hidden behind a veil. It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Look at verse four. Satan, who is the God of this world, lowercase g, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, and they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So we talked about the broken veil, the torn veil, but we're talking about another veil right now, a veil that we don't talk about very much, a veil we don't know. Maybe that's a scripture you haven't read before, you can't remember it, but scripture clearly tells us there's a, there's a hidden veil, a, a, a hidden behind a veil, a veil that we don't acknowledge, a veil that we don't, but what's the purpose of that veil? You know what's interesting about Satan? He's not a creator. He's an imitator. He hasn't created anything. But it'll take one veil, that first veil, and I believe that he was intimidated, and I believe that he might not have fully understood the whole role of the veil. When the veil was torn, don't you think the enemy know the veil, knew where the veil was torn? He knew. He knew the veil was torn. He knew what that meant. So now he says, I'm going to create another veil. And I'm not a creator. I'm just going it, to, it's, it's, this one is not literal. It's figurative. It's a figurative veil. It's not a literal piece of fabric or material. It's a figurative veil. And what is that figurative veil? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of that veil? It's to conceal and it's the exact opposite is the broken veil. Church, are you listening today? It's that first, that it's the opposite of the first veil. The hidden veil is, is, is the idea, it's the enemy trying to do everything he can at his disposal to conceal the truth of the broken veil, who God is. And you know what we do as people? We go through life and we live our lives. We just, we just do what we want. And there's so many people who are alive today who know the Bible exists. They know some form of the gospel. They know the story or the narrative. Not everyone does, but a lot of people, especially in our nation, there's a lot of people who've heard about Jesus. Not everyone has, but some have. How many of you guys know somebody who's rejected the gospel? I don't believe what you believe. It's a fairy tale. That book you base your life on is not real. I've heard everything you can imagine. Everything you can imagine. And you know what it is? We know what the Bible describes it. It's hidden behind a veil. The truth of the gospel, it, it's, 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 be, it's, it's being concealed. The light of God, the enemy's job is to conceal as much as he can, as long as he can, for as many people as he can, the truth of the gospel. There's a, there's a veil that's torn. There's a God who has now left and has brought the Axis Mundi to where we live. But yet that second veil, that hidden veil, that veil that's invisible, that veil we don't talk about, it can have lots of names. Drugs, addiction, anger, unforgiveness. We don't know it's a veil, but it's in our lives. Keeps us from seeing the truth of who God is. Pain, hurt, dysfunction. Don't you think the enemy wants to wrap us up in that veil? Keep us from accepting the truth of who God is? The hidden veil. Everyone say the hidden veil. I never knew that was what it was called, but I lived with the veil in my life. A lot of us do. 
And then you're in a service or you're listening to a program or someone in your family is just sharing the gospel with you. And all they're doing is trying to, they're trying to expose, they're trying to take light where darkness is. And that's what Christians are called to do. We're trying to, we're trying to just help. We've we've received the Axis Mundi, the the high priest who is the Lamb of God, who has filled our our lives with salvation, has saved us. The cross, we're bearers of the cross. We're walking in salvation. We're his disciples. Now we're going around and we're just saying, do you know who the Lord is? Do you know the truth of his word? Do you know the story? Can I share with you the good news? And people are walking around veiled they're walking around veiled what is that veil hurts everything we talked about upbringing past how many guys believe the enemy will use anything he can to veil the good news so look at this look at this last this last uh, truth right here the enemy's agenda is separation and god's agenda is habitation two incredibly, two different veils, two incredibly different missions, two agendas. The enemy wants to do everything. He's been separated from God. Jesus saw, said, I saw, I saw him fall like lightning from the sky. He's already separated. When, when Lucifer became Satan, he's separated forever. And now he's saying, who else can I separate? That's his mission, is separation. And the Bible figuratively describes it as a veil. He's trying to veil as many people as possible. What's crazy is, is he's an imitator of God. How many guys are hearing what I'm saying? He's like, God has his veil. That veil kept people from God. But now that veil is torn in two from top to bottom because of the Lamb of God, who's the high priest of God. Now the people, they have access. They didn't have access before. Now they have access in a way they never have before. But yet, how many people are walking through life? Denying. Is there a problem with the first veil? No, it's torn. So where's the problem? A veil they don't even know exists. What's the agenda of the enemy? Separation. What has been God's agenda from the very beginning? Habitation. It's so simple. Not visitation, but habitation. He wants to, he wanted to live with his creation in the garden. He wanted to be with his people in the wilderness. At the time of Christ, at the, at the fulfillment of time, he wanted, to, he wanted to open up. He wanted to tear the veil, the veil from top to bottom. He wanted to, God, Emmanuel, God with us and God in us. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. God keeps pursuing us. God's like, I'll tear down every veil. I'll do everything I can to get as close to you as possible in your natural short lives. But if you choose not to see the veil, the hidden veil that the enemy is using, you could very well end up not just separated from me for 65, 70, 75 years, but you might spend eternity separated from me if you're not careful with the hidden veil. If you're not careful... And the enemy would like nothing more to get as many people in his situation separated from God eternally. And the veil he used has already been preached about. Hurts, addiction, selfishness, pride, whatever you want to call it. That hidden veil. It's the people who recognize the hidden veil. It's the people who see the first veil. You're like, this doesn't have to be this way. I've got a God who's coming after me. I got a God because of what Jesus did. Now God is just, he's aggressively pursuing me the entirety of my existence. He's coming after me. God is right there. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That first veil is taken care of. It's no more. It's ripped. Represents God's hearts towards us. Habitation. I want to be with you. I need to be with you. But it's that veil we don't talk about, that veil we don't know that exists. 
to live our lives on this earth separated from God, only to live our lives in eternity separated from God. You know, it's crazy. That veil, that second veil, that hidden veil has no power. You know how to get rid of the second veil? It's the gospel. It's a a city on a hill cannot be hidden. What happens when you turn a, a, a light on in a dark room or light a candle? The darkness dispels. That's how you get rid of the hidden veil is the good news. It, it, but people have to be willing to say, all right. And I got to share this quick story about, about my brother. And I, I want to share this verse real quick. It's Romans eight thirty eight. You guys know it. It says, I am convinced that nothing can what, church? Separate us from God's love. There's no veil anymore. The only veil that's there is a hidden veil that if not dealt with, that life separation that, that being at odds with God, with the Bible described being an in, enemy of God, you will spend eternally separated from God. And it will all be due to a veil you didn't even know existed. So my brother Chris, when he was a teenager, I can take my glasses off because I'm done reading. When he was a teenager, he was in a bad accident with his best friend, Mark Ortiz. And Mark Ortiz lost both of his legs at the knee. And my brother Chris had a problem with God and blamed God the way we do in life. And we didn't serve God at that time when they were in that accident. My brother was fine in the accident, but, but Mark, who was driving, lost both of his legs. And my brother Chris just was angry at God his whole life. Other things happened, and it piled on the way it does in our life. And my mom, of all people, I get saved, my parents get saved, we accept Jesus. I'm looking at my brother, loving on my brother, but it was my mom who was the preacher. It was my mom who was relentless. Chris, you've got to get right with God. Chris, you've got to let it go. What happened with, your, your, with, with, with the past and that incident? And Chris was a great guy. Chris would give the shirt off of his back for a stranger. Chris was awesome. But he had a veil he didn't know was there. Church, are you listening? I love my brother. And my brother was so proud of me as a pastor. My brother, he's so proud of me. He's my little brother, my little bro. He's a pastor in Colorado. Was Chris living for the Lord? No. When my father died and we did his service, I did my father's service right here, Rich, behind this pulpit. And I thought, that's the day. That's the day my brother Chris is going to hear the gospel. He'll be confronted. And I watched through these south windows, my brother walking back and forth outside, never coming in when we're preaching about my dad because of the pain. Because of the veil, Valerie, until he went down with a bunch of the sweet ladies from our church. Yeah, my brother went to the pies and the cakes when we were burying my dad. He said, I'm Chris's brother. He never set foot in this church before. Tom, listen to this. They said, you're, you're PJ's brother? Oh, my goodness. And they sat him down. They brought Chris, my brother, who's away from God. They brought him every dessert. Big plates of food, and my brother had the best time. He said, I love those ladies at your church. I ate before one person came down. They kept talking about you and your family, and they kept talking about Pastor Bo and the vision. They kept talking about community. I'm telling you, my mom was planting seeds my entire brother's life. And I was mad at God. I said, God, if he heard what we were sharing, my brother would have given his life. We did an altar call at my dad's funeral. I said, God, help me get up and get through it. My brother didn't get saved, but more seeds were planted downstairs with lemon meringue. Come on, God can use anything. 
his heart's opening and that, that veil is that grip of that veil, that hidden veil is becoming less and less and less. And then finally, my other brother, Mike, is like, Jake, you're always so busy. You need to come out and go hunting with us. Chris is going to be there. He's coming out from Georgia. We're meeting up in Northern California at Rocky's property. We're all going out. You need to come. It's rare for my brother to say that. I said, I'll come. I'll be there. I got to share this part. It's kind of. I didn't just kill one deer. I killed two deers like in the first few days. City boy up here who can't change or rotate his tires. Dead IPJ. Dropped one in the brushes. My brother like, that's awesome. He's like, take my extra tag. Dropped another one. They hadn't gotten a deer like in five years up there. I got two in the first day. My brother says, my brother Mike says, I'm going to take my truck and I'm going to process the two deer. And I was left alone with my brother Chris. I said, and he said, he said, uh, he always called me two names. I don't know why. He either called me fish or he called me worm. That's not a joke. He said, fish, I don't think I'm going to be alive in a year. I got all this stuff going on in my body. I said, Chris, I've never talked to you about the Lord. I talked to mom my whole life, and she's pushed you so hard. I cannot go back to Colorado because mom was still alive. My mom was still alive. I can't go back knowing I didn't talk to you and ask you smart questions. And we had to talk, just the two of us, on the most beautiful, beautiful autumn day. I got to lead my brother to the Lord, confirm. And it wasn't just, it wasn't me. It was years of people shining light. And pulled that veil so easily with all the prayers of my mom, with all the hospitality of the women and the people of Thrive Church, with just decades of Christians being Christians. Lead my brother to the Lord. Six months later, I get a call from Mike, and he says, Chris just passed away in his sleep. I need you to go tell mom. Jill knows it's true. I was in the shower, and Jill said, you got to get out of the shower. Your brother Mike's on the phone. Chris just died. And mom doesn't know. We lived with my mom at the time. Mom lived with us. And I walked into my mom's room, and I said, Mom, i got to tell you two things. The first thing i got to tell you is six months ago when we were hunting, I was able to pray with Chris, and they'll be on a shot of a doubt. All your years of prayer, all of you just loving on him and challenging him, was able to confirm and just lead him to the Lord. And she just was crying, woke her up, crying. She said, what's the second thing? And she knew what it was. I said, Chris, just stepped into eternity. Chris is gone. It was hard on mom. But I told her, it's all the years of your praying, all everything you've done. He was able to overcome everything. And I didn't use the word hidden veil, but it was the same thing. It was the same understanding that my brother who had been separated his whole life had gotten reconciled with God. Never been to a church service to my knowledge. Even at my dad's funeral, our dad's funeral, never set foot inside of this sanctuary. He just had pie downstairs. And we were at Fort Logan together for my dad but never in here. Never been to a church service. He reminds me of the thief on the cross. How many of you guys are listening? 
So I say all that just to, just to encourage you guys today, just to encourage everybody in this place. What is the broken veil? It's that first veil that can only be broken. It can only be torn when Jesus did what he did on Calvary. And I'm so grateful for the Axis Mundi, the fact that we can, that meeting place, the, the most holy place where God meets man, where God speaks to man like the way Moses did to God, Coram Deo, face to face. I'm so glad we have access to that. I didn't have access when I was trying to rotate my tires, but I have access to my creator. I have access to God because of the cross. I have access. You have access. Can I give you one final truth? We have access, but if we don't access the gospel and the good news, if we choose not to and we let that hidden veil conceal and, and, and just keep us from it, Look at this last truth right here, and then I'll pray. How tragic to veil yourself from an unveiled God. How tragic to veil yourself from an unveiled God. And yet people do it every day. They spend their lives veiled, veiled in pain, veiled in hurts, veiled in sin, veiled in selfishness, veiled in pride, veiled, separated. Because the enemy can't create something on his own, so he veils the gospel in his own way. Every lie he speaks into us, every, everything that we deal with, everything that we go through, all the different reasons. I want everyone to stay focused right now. All the different reasons. How many of you guys know that there is an unveiled God? He's no longer veiled because of the cross, because of the work of the cross in Calvary. We have our high priest who is the perfect Lamb of God. Axis Mundi comes to you right exactly where you are in your deepest, darkest sin. God is with you. The presence of God is there. The Shekinah glory of God is no longer being concealed and veiled behind a veil where you need a priest or someone to go on your behalf. The veil is torn, but there's another veil that never gets spoken about or dealt with. And that veil has the ability to separate you from God in this life and in eternity to come. And the greatest tragedy is veiling yourself before an unveiled God. So I want to I close the service today. I want you to close your eyes. And I want to give the opportunity today. There's no other way I could preach it, but I'm done. There's no other way to say it, but I'm done. Many of you are Christians. Many of you have prayed the prayer of faith. You know you're, you've, you've asked Jesus to forgive you. And I'm asking you Christians to pray for people in this room right now. That might not have known there was a hidden veil. They might not have known there were issues. But if you're not right with God, now is the chance to do away with the hidden veil. Now is the chance to let the good news come into your life. Now is the chance to let this God who is broken out of, of, of the first veil come into your life. To change you, to save you, to heal you. And if you want to pray a prayer of faith today, if you want to pray a prayer of salvation if you want to say, God, right now, I don't want anything to obscure me from you. I don't want the lies of the past, the hurts, the sin, whatever. I want nothing between me. Just like Romans 8 says, I believe nothing can separate me from the love of God. And if that's you today and you say, I need to pray a prayer of salvation. I need to acknowledge. I need to make sure there's no veil on me, no hidden veil. I need to pray a prayer and ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I'm not going to count down. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm just going to say if there's anybody today who feels separated from God and wants to be sure, wants to pray a prayer of faith, if that's you today, I want you to slip up a hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to pray today. That's beautiful. Is there anybody else? That's awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look at, that's amazing. And it's all because of God. 
And if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do one final thing. I'm going to ask you to stand. In fact, I want everyone in God's house, as we close the service, I want everyone to stand. But if you raise your hand, I want you to come right down here to the altar as we close in prayer. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation. I want you to celebrate right now all the people who raised their hand and said, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. I want to make sure there's no veil. Come on, if you prayed, come on down. If you prayed, I saw all those hands. If you prayed, come on down. Thank you. Don't hesitate. Don't let anything separate you from the love of God. Come on, celebrate today, church. That's what it's all about. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Every time you walk an aisle, every time you're willing to go to an altar, what you're saying is, God, get this veil of the enemy off my life. Get this thing off me. Let nothing keep you, keep us separate anymore. That's what people are doing when they acknowledge this. I'll give that opportunity if there's anybody else who wants to come forward. Why do we do things this way? We don't always do every altar call the same way, but the Bible tells us this, that if you acknowledge God before man, And whether it's raising your hand or standing or coming forward, the Bible says, if you acknowledge me before man, the Bible says, I will acknowledge you before my heavenly father. Sometimes it's hard to to, to do that, but that's what these people have done. So grateful for that. And I want to pray right now. Everyone who's up here, we're going to pray with you. The church family is going to repeat this prayer. I want everyone to say this. Just say, heavenly father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for me so that I could be forgiven. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and for setting me free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now take a moment, celebrate what God is doing. It's awesome. I want to go ahead and give them right now. Don't wait. Go ahead and give them the booklets that we have, we have, a, we have a little gift for you guys. It's just a little booklet. And if you guys can, they're right over here. Somebody help, please. Thank you, Paul. Just the booklets. This, we're going to give you the, the, these devotionals, seven-day devotional. Now what? It's so powerful. We'll put that in your hands. And we want you to get connected to our planning class. We can talk to you more about it. But church, how many guys know God has moved today? Amen. God has moved in this service. I want to pray for you. I want to challenge you, and I want to speak a prayer of blessing over your lives. If you feel so inclined, just slip up your hands as I pray a closing prayer over everyone today. Lord, I thank you, God, for for your word and how you speak to our hearts. I thank you that there's a veil that's been torn. And I thank you, God, that you're teaching us about a veil that's hidden and the agenda of the enemy, God, and how we have the ability, God, to just to, to, to push off that hidden veil, God. There's nothing that ever needs to separate us from you again, God. And today as we leave this place, I think about my mom and I think about others who are so good at just share, shining your light, just sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, Lord, doing everything we can to veil others and veil ourselves, Lord. Help us to leave here today just on fire, Lord, knowing you're calling us home, God. When our time comes, we're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our goal, God. And in the meantime, may we be a light that brings you glory and helps others see that there's no longer anything that ever needs to separate us from you again. Help us leave this place with passion. Help us leave this place with purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, church, for being in God's house. We love you today. God bless.
Your morning dose of good news and positivity. Wake up with Holy Radio.
is not a place to come and go as we please. It's a house we enter in, then commit to never leave. So lock the door behind you.
I will move 
confident Taking every step in obedience While I'm waiting I will serve you While I'm waiting I will worship While I'm waiting I will not fail I'll be running the race Even while I wait
Rising up 
Your breath in our lungs, 
sing to him, church. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Sing Great. and I invite you to feel the presence of the Lord at HolyRadio.org. Hola, te habla Tania, y te invito a sentir la presencia del Señor 
en holyradio.org. Hello there, Holy Radio. This is me, Devious Dan, your host of the Devious Dan Show every Monday morning from 6, uh, I'm sorry, from 10 a.m. to noon. I don't know where I got 6 from, but uh, maybe because I get up at 6 sometimes. But uh, anyway, this is me, Devious Dan, coming to you to give you the verse of the week. This week's verse or passage is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 3 through 8. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lusts like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. You see, God calls us to cleanliness. He calls us to sanctification. That's why Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica and to us about sexual immorality because God did not intend for us to be unclean in our walk with him. He wanted us to be clean, sanctified, holy. He wants us to be walking in that sanctification, presenting our vessels, our bodies in that. And sexual immorality is the opposite of that. God designed, God designed us to be married. He designed the institution of marriage to be between a man and a woman, holy and acceptable under his plan. Yes, under the government there are other legal forms of marriage, but our government is corrupt, ran by sinful men and women. God wants us to be in a marriage modeled after him, after the model he set for us, because it is a way to show our, sanctifi- our sanctification and our cleanliness. It's a way for us to focus on Him. You see, if we can focus on God and trust in Him, we can continue to focus our lives for Him. <laughs> 